the podcast appetite for distortion it is brando episode 200 wow and i've been able to afford a budget of a live studio audience uh yes joining me today is my my kramer no not not my kramer well i was trying to think of a good uh side you know a, a good character that that's memorable but not in every episode because we've become friendly over the last I mean we interviewed uh we spoke last year Mark Alexander Erber uh from Golden Robot Records but early last year with uh with Alex Grassi talking about Hookers and Blow and all the great artists on your on your label including GNR members like you know Frank Farrar and, and Dizzy and, and Gilby but you've become on recently so this is another Zoom episode which is cool people kind of get to see you know the man behind the the mic if they want to do that uh, but I think the best way to describe you, I gave you some thought because, uh, you know, he, he passed away recently. I've been watching a lot of King of Queens, but in Seinfeld, Jerry Stiller was in, I think less than 20 episodes and how iconic was his character. So you've kind of become the Jerry Stiller of, um, of, of the AFD show. So well, <laughs> I'd rather be Jerry Stiller than the soup Nazi. <laughs> well, that goes without saying. <laughs> that, that's, that's true. That's true. But he was in like. I think like two episodes, but no, no, you've been obviously <laughs> in a few. So thanks. I, I, have, for I think I've been in eight, uh, um, maybe six with you now or something, seven or something. Well, I know because we worked together on, on this because you asked me to send me, send you all the episodes we've done on, with Golden Robot Artists, That's which about. not all of you were on. So they're now they're on, on the website, goldenrobotrecords.com, which is really cool. Yeah. So I know just regarding yeah. your artists, I've done more than 10 now. Yeah, definitely. And what's awesome, since we get along, you know, I didn't know that there were actually Jewish people in, people in Australia. So I, I, I knew. There's only three of us. <laughs> That's what I said when I moved to Cape Cod. I what's was wrong like with you? one and a half. It's <laughs> a huge there. population down here. I've never been. I don't know. Well, we wouldn't uh, get you down here. But you've been suggesting some great people to speak with. You know, not just a great co-host and we have good chemistry, but some people that I may not think of that would fit our gnr theme this guns and roses bar mitzvah party of a podcast that i do uh, and today you brought me someone that i'm really interested in learning about and that's dave dalton who is a i mean you are a legend in the scene yeah scene. legend your mind records <laughs> i mean it's it's i because I, I've, I've learned more about you since uh mark said that you were going to come on for episode 200 and i'm honored and it's funny i mentioned last episode that yeah. it's taken me a while because, yeah, it's a Guns N' Roses podcast, but I like to go all different ways with it. It took me a while what? to talk about Michael Jackson in depth on a GNR podcast. And because I'm a Michael Jackson fan, I'm surprised. So for 200, I'm surprised it's taken me this long to really talk about punk rock. And because I'm a huge punk rock fan. I grew up, I mean, as everyone did, I mean, most of the, the bands that I love were were gone or 
you know, like the Ramones yeah. or, or the Sex Pistols or the Clash. Uh, yeah. I kind of grew up in, the, I hate to say it, the punk, pop punk era. But that's something that's that the best. Been... That's that's the best one of the best eras to come out. Okay. You know, I, I always call it the big the big four: England's okay. Dreaming, the Sex Pistols, the Clash, the Jam, and the Dam. Mm. Then then it floats over here to the Ramones and so. Okay, that's got good taste, man. Well, it's it's it, it's something that gravitated towards me since I was younger, and obviously even before the podcast, GNR. Sure. I think it's the punk vibe of what was a hard rock band. And all the other vibes that they mesh into that hard rock shell that I love. So to get you on, to learn about your history, to because you, I don't know how long ago you worked with Duff during his punk days, but I, that's stuff I want to talk to you about and learn about. Yeah, the thing with Duff, I, I, I never worked with him. I, I, I did shows, like my band, I had a band called The Beauty of Dogs, which were members of Gigi Allen and uh, other folks. Okay. Uh, and we went to, we played with... Uh, the farts up in Seattle at the, at the uh, show box, several shows. And we're, I think the bill was poison. I did discharge. We were at it the last minute. And from there, I, I was attracted to Duff because he was such a, a nice guy. I don't want to say clumsy, but really nice, like okay. nice guy. And so just hanging out with him, talking this, that, whatever. And we, we just started hanging out. But back then, there was no social media. You just call a phone call. And um, he gave me his number. We called a couple of times on the, on the phone. But after that, you know, he got disconnected. He probably moved to L.A. I don't know. I know he was in 10-Minute Warning, Yeah, the band 10-Minute. I think he was a drummer. What I'm year not was really this? Sure. What year was this? This is 82, 83, right about there. I know well, there's I a boot there that my brother got. Um, it's a 12-inch bootleg of outtakes. Uh, 10 minute warning. This is a few, they've never been released, legitimate, and some farts. You no, know, farts had some stuff out. I think uh, I'll turn a little tentacles, put them out. But so he was, Duff nice was in the farts. Not, yeah, he was in the farts. Yeah. I, uh, I think he might have did one thing, one stint with the fast facts on Sub Pop. I'm not sure. But back in those days, everybody's all over the place. All over. In, in that awesome, there's an awesome documentary out at the moment. It's a four part documentary called Punk that uh, Iggy Pop did and yeah. I interviewed Duff and it comes up under his name because it talks, you know, bad brains guys and, you know, everyone from everywhere. Oh, yeah. But when it comes up under Duff's name, it says farts and guns and roses. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah, farts was pretty big. I mean, back in those days, they did a couple of singles, I believe. I know, like I said, Alternative Tentacles, Jell Biafra's label put some of this stuff out, you know. And I met Duff later on, 10 years, 10 years plus, at, at the Warfield Theater in San Francisco, Guns N' Roses. I mean, because I was a lumper, you know. And um, he was a real nice what? guy. They hire you to unload the trucks, the big ample cases, and roll them on the stage, but we don't un unload them. We just push them on the stage, and they give us cash right there. We made about a couple hundred bucks. Okay. And they can see, you can see the, see the show or you can go home and come back at 11 o'clock. Uh, of course, I'm going to see the show, you know, <laughs> I'm on the side of the stage. I can watch all that. Well, um, I mean, let's be honest, Dave, you're better off to be a lumper than a fluffer. <laughs> oh man. Oh man. Ooh. Ow. <laughs> Goes outside, you know. Long as there's a whole no other episode. episode. That's another episode. <laughs> Fluffy. That'd be another one. 
<laughs> Sex on Seinfeld. There you go. <laughs> yeah, we're keeping the theme, the Seinfeld theme. You know, some no, of them have always been. Uh, go ahead. I, I see him on a couple. I seen him a, a couple of smaller shows. The Warfield holds about twenty five hundred, but the smaller shows like The Stone in San Francisco held about maybe four hundred, and that was a good show. When I first seen him, like at eighty seven, I believe, or eighty six. I kept saying these guys are going to be huge because they they weren't just glam they weren't they had a little bit of glam a lot of street savvy and punk influences. I said they're going to be huge. I know my friends go ah there's a hair band. Huh. Uh uh-uh, they're going to be huge, man. You know, and then I lumped at the Warfield. They blew the Colt off stage, totally off stage. Matter of fact, Ian Ashbury was mad because you can hear him screaming and stuff. You know, um, when the Colt came on stage. People were bum rushing him and running around grabbing the mic and saying, we want their guns back. And, you know, of course, they got thrown out. But yes. that, that was wow. crazy. And then years later, about two years later, well, a year later, they came back and TSOL, the metal band TSOL, they went to punk band, uh, opened up for the uh, Guns N' Roses. And that was a good show. And then when they were filming the Terminator, I guess the Terminator or something, uh, part of that filming was in the Warfield. Oh, okay. When they did the uh, You Could Be Mine video? Yeah, there you go. And I was there. I was a lumper again, you know. And, you know, okay. that is. Wow. That, it was kind of cool, you know. That's when I, I, I really got to be friends with Izzy for like maybe a couple of days. Because the poor guy was, you know, he had substance problems. And you could see him playing. He was, he didn't want to be up front. He was back near the Marshall stacks and just going with emotions. I felt bad for him, you know. And then downstairs, you know, me and a couple of guys had to go down there. We were doing some stuff to make life comfortable down there because they destroyed that backstage. They fucked that place up, man. Uh, mm-hmm. One of the things they sent us out, they sent me and a guy named Mick Jones. He was my boss. We had to go all over the city in a van to, to, to collect eight porn magazines, BBW porn magazines, certain nice. candies, Heineken, certain cigars, cigarettes, all over the city. We said, I don't care. Fuck it. Let's do it. I didn't care. It was fun. But we brought it back. And of course, they didn't. They were just making life kind of cool, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I kept the porn magazines. They're all still sealed. I brought them home. Fuck it. I don't care. Have you still got them? Yeah, I still got them. Oh, I got two of them. The rest of them, they kind of disappeared. I got two of them uh, in my collection. Can you imagine if you got them Guns N' Roses to sign the porn magazines back then? <laughs> How cool would that be? People would buy it. You know that. <laughs> you know. You but I, I, have old, I have old Polaroids. I got Polaroids of me holding it up, and there's Izzy behind me. But he was a nice guy. I had a lot of respect for him. I can see where he's coming from. Too much bullshit was going on. Mm. Um, what year was this? Know? 92? What was this, early 90s? This was a white one that before this... They were filming a movie, I think, I want to say 95, 90, I'm not really sure. No, it would have been earlier. Uh, Who was the drummer? The drummer was Matt Sorm. Yeah, was that, Matt. That, because, that, that's when they were big, pretty, you know, they were one of the biggest bands. because yeah, that was Matt. Before that, when I seen him with the Colton, 80, I want to say 88 or 86, whatever. Yeah. That's when they had, uh, they had Steve Adler. Steve. Yeah, That yeah, band was yeah. good. They came out, they came out there like a, they're fucking ready to play. They're dangerous, that band. You know who I spoke dangerous, to? Dangerous, man. 
you know who I spoke to this week? Steve, um, Stephen Adler's brother. Oh. Yeah. He lives Amy? In, yeah, yeah, we can hear. Stephen Adler's brother lives in Australia. Um, oh, wow. Jamie, wow. yeah. I actually met him once on a plane um, coming back from Los Angeles or going to LA, one or the other, and I had a Rose Tattoo T-shirt on. I think I might have worn one on your show, Brandon. And he said, oh, I love Rose Tattoo. I want my brother to drum in that band. And we started talking and I literally, <laughs> I literally gave him the Rose Tattoo T-shirt off my back. You know what's funny? What's interesting about Jamie, he, he sometimes, he'll comment in Guns N' Roses Facebook groups and usually in support of his brother. And sometimes, you know, it's hard when you talk through the press to people, but he recently came out with such praise of Axel for how much he's been shitting on Trump recently. He's like, I take back everything. <laughs> I asked him so to come on the show. Hatred of Trump reunited them. I told Jamie he should come on the show. I would love yeah. to have it. I reached out to him before. He's writing a book at the moment, apparently. I will, Okay. Because I, I would love to get I, – I don't know if I was doing the podcast at the time because I would want, love to interview right. their mom, who also has a book out. Yeah. yeah. Deanna, right? Yeah. Yeah. Mm. I mean, you know, look, anyone that was involved in those Appetite for Destruction days – those cats, if they've done right with their money, they never had to work again. Yeah, uh, considering that all these songs are still used, you know, and yeah, that first album is one of the greatest rock albums in that time. You know, well made. You know, I think the second album took a little too much out of. I mean, it just took forever. Now, I want to ask you a question, Brandon. Okay. What? the fuck is a spaghetti incident what is that i've always asked djs go we can't say anything <sighs> what you know what do you mean they no, can't i've say talked anything? to this is like back in several years ago years and years ago i go what is the spaghetti incident they go oh it's a, one of those internal things i go how internal is it you, you have all punk rock you have you have uk subs on you get the damned on <laughs> it's like i didn't know well you know anything about the spaghetti incident you're, you're talking about the, the 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 story yeah. behind it potential story yeah we yeah, what's the story behind it do you know uh, i don't think i think they're made up so i feel like whatever i would say wouldn't be accurate right you think so yeah wait hold on I'm, I'm trying to bring it up now there was a uh -oh. there was something it's, just it's, it's, it's all punk covers well i know it's all punk covers but i think he's asking what the uh the story behind why it's called the spaghetti incident yeah. Right. Is well, that what I remember asking? when it first came out, Rolling Stone goes, we asked Axel, whoever, what is the spaghetti incident? They go, we can't tell you. It's very, very touchy. I'm going, you know, <laughs> maybe that's a myth. Who knows, right? Yeah, here you go. The title so references, yeah, title references an incident Stephen Adler had in 89. While the band was temporarily staying in an apartment in Chicago, Adler stored mm -hmm. his drugs in a refrigerator next to the band's takeout containers which contained Italian food. Duff explained that Adler's code word for his stash was spaghetti. In his lawsuit against the band, Adler asked the band to tell us about the spaghetti incident, which the band found amusing and used the title of the album. Ah, okay. So, and then I see something that says, Motley Crue guitar player, Nikki Six, which is uh, wrong right away. So this is obviously wrong. Uh, so Nikki Six made a bet with Tommy Lee about who can go the longest without showering, bathing, or personal hygiene. And still bone groupies without them getting sick or leaving. Oh, that's After two sad. months of doing shows and banging hoes, this is what it says. That's not my words. Uh, Nikki was getting head from a groupie who got sick and puked all over his crotch. To make it even worse, she threw up 
undigested spaghetti noodles that got glued up in his pubes. Uh, Nikki immediately called Tommy Lee into the, called Tommy Lee into the room, and it became known as the Spaghetti Incident, which became the later uh, a Guns N' Roses album uh, later on. So I like well, I think your story sounds more real, Mark. Than what I'm yeah, reading. well, yeah, I, I, I think so something. too. They, re- they definitely <laughs> recorded a lot of those songs with Izzy, and they never used them. And then Gilby re-recorded them. So it's really right. it's the Gilby was on two albums. I could be wrong, but Gilby was on two albums. Gilby was obviously on. Um, that live era, because that's when he played. Um, right. All those live songs was Gilby, and then Gilby was on the Spaghetti Incident. And I've seen it. I've been in Gilby's um, home studio in LA. I have to say, and I'm not just telling you this because he's on the um, label and his second single's about to come out, The Gospel Truth. <laughs> I'm, not t- I'm not telling because of that. Um, and I know Dave loves Gilby, but um, I've been to his home studio in LA, and it's the, one of the best home studios I've ever seen. So he's clever, Gilby. He's clever because when all these guys were making money in those days, a lot of them pissed it up against the wall. He went out and bought a nice house and he's still in that house and he's built this beautiful studio underneath it. Like, it's awesome. And he's got a great um, uh, drum tech room and he's, where he does his guitars. And then on his wall, he's got all the um, uh, platinum albums, etc., from the Spaghetti Incident and Live right. and, and, and Use Your Illusion, etc. Very cool setup down there. Well, maybe when uh, the world uh, is kind of back to normal, I'll, I'll join you guys. I'll invite myself <laughs> my first time. You know, you know, you know what? I, I, booked, I booked Gilby a couple of times in, 19, in uh, 2002, I believe, in Huntington Beach. I lived down there for five years. I hated it after a while. I booked him at Fitzgerald's and I booked him, I think, in or- it was, uh, Costa Mesa at some club, I forget. He was one of the nicest guys than me. When I was playing a Zamedes guitar, he goes, is that a Zamedes? Yeah, he goes, I have one. Because he collects Zamedes like me. I don't know if you know what a Zamedes guitar is. And he was telling me about his wife, bought him in a Zamedes acoustic. We just, we just got on really well. Uh, I talked him several years and I moved up here and I lost contact, you know. Um, he's in the Zamedes club with me too. So it's kind of cool. You know, you know something I, I'm, I'm curious about, and I, I, you probably would have the best perspective of anyone that I could ask. It's d- the concept of Duff coming from a, uh, a punk background and signing to a label and, and you owning a label and the, the whole of what punk, cause I wasn't, I didn't grow up at then. I grew up there. We were talking off the air about pop punk. You know, that was kind of yeah. my, my era. So like what punk means. And that's why, you know, maybe pop punk, it gets a bad rap because it's, it's, it, it is too polished, but is there something about signing to a label that isn't punk or is, or is that just too like too hypersensitive to, or too literal to what that word may or may not mean? Do you know what I'm trying to ask is when, when people made it out of your scene, and they made it to the next level. Have they did sold you root out? for that? Yeah. Did you say they sell out or did you root for them? Uh, you know, my friend, my friend, uh, I, I know Mike Dern for since um, Sweet example. Children. Mike Dern's in the bass player for Green Day. Sure. Okay. And then Billy Joe, I, I run into him quite often downtown. And those guys worked their asses off for many years out of the, out of the lookout days, Kerplunk and so forth, right? And how they got signed, and everybody knows, Ron Covello, their manager, who wasn't a manager at the time, they go, hey, I want to manage you. Okay, go get me a major label. Now, these guys have been schlepping for many years. They deserve. They're not a sellout. 
people are gonna probably not like me saying that, but they're not. They're well deserving. These guys earned it the old fashioned way. They worked for it. Just like my friend Tim from the Rancid. I've mm. known Tim since he was in Operation Ivy. And Tim used mm. Tim for two weeks, went on tour with the Screaming Bloody Marys. We op- we were touring with the Melvins. And he had no place to stay. I would hop in the band, stay with us. These guys earned it. Tim owns a killer label, you know, Hellcat. Billy Joe Armstrong owns Adeline Records in Berkeley. I don't think it's a sellout. I don't think Greedy, so. Greedy is a great example because it's before GNR. I remember my first ever cassette. I got uh, Dookie in my Hanukkah stocking. Yes, Mark. I had a Hanukkah stocking. <laughs> I had a very troubled childhood. That's right. And, and they were my <laughs> That's classic, they were my man. band. You know, I remember jumping <laughs> on the bed to when Basket Case would come on MTV when they played. <laughs> hey, I, hey, I had a I had a Hanukkah tree, Hanukkah stockings. It's a, it's a whole thing. <laughs> That's great, but man. Again, as as like now they're putting up music now that I'm just like this isn't this isn't what I this isn't the band I fell in love with. And I know some people have that problem with Guns N' Roses. Yeah. But, you know, it doesn't matter because you're, you're saying that they, they earned whatever cred, you know, that made you love them in the first place. Now they can expand and... He doesn't. What does he give a fuck? They've, they've got some of the biggest albums of all time. American Idiot still to this day is... And I was listening to it the other day. He's still one of the best albums ever. And I can tell you something. On Spotify, Guns N' Roses has about 17 million monthly listeners... Uh- and let me tell you, Green Day's got about 16 and a half million monthly listeners. So they're very, they're, 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 they're very mm-hmm. equal pegging there. Let me tell you, let me tell you yeah. as a segue here. This is what I think. This is what mm-hmm. I think. I think that I'm going to make two comments. And Dave, you tell me what you think. The first okay. comment is punk is, has an interesting, uh, and look, punk music was, uh, everyone talks about rock started this, etc. but I'm telling you, Punk music has more as a lineage into the bands we're talking about, like Guns N' Roses and Green Day, obviously, et cetera, than, um, than anything. I mean, you've got the whole rock heritage into Led Zeppelin, et cetera. But if you talk about punk, punk has the lineage into everything. And punk, I find, is um, the ownership of punk through generations is really interesting. And I'll give you an example. So as you know, my son Jagger and Dave um, met Jagger and is a, one of the top drummers and he's got his band, The Kids. He's 17 and a half now, and he thinks he owns punk, right? Now, I was listening to punk when I was his age, but he doesn't think that's possible, right? He says, no, you won't. <laughs> he doesn't He's think that's yeah, he, <laughs> he invented he, it. Now. Yeah, he laughs. He thinks his generation invented He knows it came from They think they own it. Wow. <laughs> in a way, that's he's reinventing, and he's, he's trying to... Uh, I don't know where, who invented that. They said the Ramones. They said New York Dolls. Blah, 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 blah. The first time I seen Punk Mark was on Channel 7 News late at night. You remember Tully Savalas, the, the actor? Kojak. Okay. Hmm. Yeah, Co- yeah, there you go. I remember one night, this was like 1976, I believe. And he goes, it was like a late night after the Channel 7 News had this like special. And he goes, he opens up England's Dreaming. Something's going around across the pond. As soon as it, the Sex Pistols face came up, all these people, and then it reverted back to the Ramones. I was going, what the fuck? You know, I think Jagger has the right idea, Mark. He, he's inventing his punk. He's looking at these bands like Gigi Allen and so forth. 
in his mind, it's a rebellious thing in his mind. He loves yeah. it. He's soaking it like a sponge. So he's reinventing it. He's behind a drum kit. I know where he's coming from. I know exactly where he's coming but every from. Every generation well, does this. Every generation takes it and has an ownership of it for themselves and yeah. thinks that they're more part of it than anything before. And exactly. you know what? I tell you the interesting part about it, Dave, and this is how Dave and I hooked up. So we, obviously, we've got multiple record labels with multiple genres and we've got a, a punk hardcore label called Riot Records. And then I saw what Dave was doing. In fact, it was Jagger originally, remember, that pointed out what Die Laughing Records has been doing in America for many, many years. And that's how we joined forces um, to, 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 to yeah. bring Die Laughing in um, with us, under, with our group, because we felt, hang on a minute, if you really want to be a serious player in the rock game or in the music industry, you need to have some great representation of punk music. And Die Laughing Records is one of the best in the world. So, well, we try. Well, when, uh, you know, uh, thank you for that compliment. You know, course. real fast, Brandon and, and, and well, Mark, you. you know, you know, uh, I started Die Laughing Records back in 88, 89, borderline, because back in those days, little punk bands like us weren't going to get the major label. So we put our own singles out. And when I met Mark on a, on, on a conversation on the phone, and I think in the afternoon we started talking, I said, tell you what, we're going to come to L.A., we drove that night all the way down to LA. You did. The next day we had a meeting. You know, we were, we were, we were like on a mission, you know, we we're committed, you know, and we're still, you know, we're, it's, it's still working this stuff out. We're, um, you know, you know, we only met about six months ago, you know, and I think it's going pretty good, really good. Uh, we're cross promoting and I'm really happy to have a guy, you know, you know, we're all in the same corner, you know, Golden Robot, Die Laughing Records. Die Laughing Records has a distributor, Cobra Side, and in the UK, we have Cherry Red, which is huge, right? And I got all these bands, and I'm like, where do these bands come from? I, I, I signed, you know. You know who Fang is, right, Brandon? Fang, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. When I first, got, I first got the CD, Digipack, we're in the sixth pressing. Those guys, it's like they sell out non-fucking-stop. But doesn't it show you that, that even today um, that, that the, the, the evolution of punk is just still as um, important as it was in the, in, the, in the 70s, in the 80s, in the 90s, 2000, 2020? It's still as important. And it's still, to me, Brandon, I'm sure you agree, it still represents... Um, freedom and anarchy and doing things your own way and 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 can you imagine with all the rioting in america at the moment with everything that's going on which is just just so it's sad crazy. so many different yeah. can you imagine if a couple yeah. of punk bands got up on the back of a truck and started playing oh my god well you know they used to do that back in the 80s and yeah. in washington dc it was mm -hmm. called it was the uh, a band called minor threat became pagazi yeah bikini kill um, yeah. A lot of those bands, seven seconds, even my band, we did these right in front of the fucking White House on a big stage. Nice. Had, that's where the Riot Girl came in, the Riot Girl movement, the Rude Boy, the Suede came in. And wow, that, okay. that's going to happen. But at this point, we can't really do that because of all this virus bullshit. But it's, yeah. it's going to happen eventually. In the 80s, that happened. Even here in, in Berkeley at Provo Park, they used to call it Day in the Dirt. 
you had seven seconds, you had the dead Kennedys, you had the English dogs. It was just ton- it was like day in the dirt. It was amazing. So when I see young men like like Jagger, my son Max is in a band called the Vanishing Subs, and they're they're like the Clash in the jam type music, and they've already he's twelve years old, you know, and he's a drummer like like Jagger. There's a, there's 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 a new generation. So this is the question. This is the question, Brandon and Dave. The question is, if we're creating, if these young bands are now coming through, like Dave was talking in the, in the 80s about Duff and his bands, these young punk bands, are they going to then morph into the big rock bands of the future, like Guns N' Roses and Green Day, etc.? It's not even, I mean, yes, that's part of it. But my curiosity, and this parlays into my, my query about, I haven't used that word in a while, query. Uh, about what, punk means and you know can you evolve from that so today as this aside from covid would bands go out and yeah there would be some they go out and play in front of the white house because today unfortunately and this is what i always get so i kind of laugh to myself i won't even say i get annoyed when people right. tell an artist to shut up and sing that they could just play music and and what my mind initially not just with the 60s it always goes to punk as well and right. especially you know, the Clash song, I'm so bored with the USA. And it's like, it's, right. always, been, it's always been there. Yeah. And I would love to see that. So it's not even like, you can have the spirit of a punk band, but can you right. do what a punk band did? And like with Guns N' right. Roses, yeah, they're great now, but could they do what they did back then? And, and get away with it in 2020. Yeah, but you, you remember the question, remember the question, the controversial question, if you could call it, that I asked Frank a few episodes ago, <laughs> right. where, I, where I said, the, if if there is new material, we worded our, our question very well. If there is new Guns N' Roses material, and look, let's be honest, everyone knows they're working on something. It's not a secret. I mean, it's oh, coming some people. From, yeah, it's coming from... <laughs> yeah, something's going on. Something's going on. Something's going on. So, and my question was to him, is the new stuff sounding like the early stuff or is it sounding like the, the old, the, 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 the new stuff? And I'm pretty sure he said, well, if there was, it would potentially sound like the early stuff. In huh? theory, yes. It would In sound theory. Like so I think that... In theory, yeah. They don't have that spark. Like the vocals, you know, Axel's, you know, we all get older, this and that, you know. Um, he can still it's like the sex, it's, like, it's like the Sex Pistols. Their only legitimate album is Nevermind the Bullocks. That's a classic punk rock record. It's not even punk, it's rock and roll. But with Appetite of Destruction, it was an amazing fucking record. Even the guys in U2 said that was one of the best records they ever did. Would that be still, would that cap, that vibe capture like 30 years okay. later, 20 years later? So here's later? the question, Dave and Brandon, here's the question. Can, so what, you, what you've mentioned there is a band, before they've made it, before they're really signed, or before they've made money, they make these albums with hunger and passion and aggression and anarchy, however you want to put it. Can a band, once they've signed or sold 10 million copies, can they still make another album that is as yeah. good as that first one when they were hungry? You'd hope so. Do that again. You'd hope yeah, so. Yeah, yeah, I agree with Brandon. You, you hope so. You know, I think every, every band, the Ramones, Black Flag, Guns N' Roses, their very first record, their heart and soul's in it. Yeah. And they make a lot of money. Then they get a little lax. They're enjoying the fruits of the labor. But you like Brandon says, you hope so. That's right, I guess. Well, give me an example of a band 
in their third album that was as good as the first album and the vibe. Uh, other than you know. two. Other than you two. You think everyone gets shit to you two, and you two made the Josh. When Mewtwo hit Unforgettable Fire, go Boy October, or was it October? I think yeah. it was Boy October. Um, uh, no. War. Um, War was huge. War was huge. It was, huge. It was a big And one. they still then went and made the Unforgettable Fire. Then they made the Joshua Tree. And then they came back and Rattle and Hunt was in. Then they made Achtung Baby. Who else has done such great albums like that? Well, you got to remember, too, MTV was a big factor back then. Yeah, true. Without MTV, half these bands, including Guns N' Roses, would have been heard on FM radio, but wouldn't be seen. Yeah. It was MTV. They wouldn't exist. They, they wouldn't exist because no one heard of them until somebody played them at 2 a.m. with the video. And, Which, and that, yeah. And that was done as like a favor. Okay. It wouldn't yeah. exist. True. Appetite was on the charts for one. Mate, Appetite was out for one year before it hit. I know. It's Did just insane to think about. It, it was because of MTV it took off. Mate, they thought it was a dud. Geffen was going, what do we do here? Everyone thinks it came out and it was overnight. It was out for 12 months. No. No. First time I seen that video, uh, Brandon and Mark, is, uh, it came on. They're in the studio doing that uh, Sweet Child of Mine, right? The, and all of a sudden, you see, like, Izzy sitting there. You can see a creeper, his shoe, a creeper. I go, what's this? All of a sudden, they're plugging in. And when it went, I got goosebumps. Yeah. And all I thought in my head, I had long hair back then, the leather jacket and all that bullshit. I thought, good music. I'm going to rock out harder. I'm going to go get a girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> that record influenced me. It did. Yeah. It put an influence on me. It did. Mm. Appetite. You know, Brandon, I've never told you, I was at Tower Records on Sunset in LA in 1991, queuing up at midnight when um, User Illusions came out. You know, it's it's funny. It must have been, I don't know if it's a friend of yours, but uh, it was one of the, uh, the past, like the recent episodes that we've done, a fan from Australia, he used to work at, I guess, Tower Records. Let me see if I could find the the message. But he, he kept the original User Illusion uh, banner cool. that was there. And he's sending oh, wow. it to me. So, oh, that's amazing. Uh, it's, it's en route from uh, Australia. And of course, I'll, t- I'll talk about it once, uh, you know, it wow. arrives. But Once it arrives. You know, Dave, you mentioned something off the air that I would want to talk to you about. And it's something that we don't talk about enough on the podcast, considering it, it, it is a direct connection. And that's the neurotic outsiders. You know, I, I had Steve Stevens on the show, and he said he was never in neurotic outsiders when it was him, Billy Idol. It was just like they just played live shows. And then, yeah, became, of course. So and then it became an actual band. So you played right. with them. Like, can you tell, uh, you know, when you saw the Neurotic, Outsi- Neurotic Outsiders and you, you opened for them, right? What happened? Well, yeah, we opened for them in, in San Francisco, the DNA, and we uh, oh. did another show uh, in Sacramento, if I get the name of the place. And Steve, Steve has never played with them in that. I mean, he might have played somewhere else, but on that, on that, who played was Steve Jones of the Pistols. Right. Right. Duff McKagan. They both play guitar. The bass player from... Uh, uh, I'm going to say Duran Duran. Yeah, John Taylor. Right? Yeah. And Matt Soren played drums. I think a keyboard might have been one of the sales brothers. I'm not sure. Um, and I know uh, Lars Fredrickson from Rancid came on and, and sat in with them. And we got added on that bill. And that was one of the best shows, club shows ever. That place only holds, what, 250? It was packed. Everybody was there, whoever was there. All, all the names and stuff. But they were kind to us. I remember we went on and they did their sound check and then 
we're, we're going to do our sound check, but their, their manager said, you're not using the monitors. And I was all, fuck, you know, okay, all right. And I was bummed. And then I remember it was Duff, because we were talking about the 10-minute warning and back in the old days when I opened up room. And he goes, you okay, Dave? I go, no, let's use the floor monitors or the house monitors. He goes, who said that? Your manager. And he walked over there and he had a few words. And he goes, you can use the monitors. That was rad. And that's punk rock, bro. He's going against the grain, right? And then there was yeah. a story there, too, when Steve Jones, people going, yeah, we've seen you at Winterland, the Sex Pistols. And people are younger than, I don't know what. And he goes, you never seen us at, at Winterland? Because Winterland was 19. That, that Sex Pistols was 77. I was there. I was there with the Avengers, seeing the Avengers, and uh, I forgot the nuns. But there was a lot of commotion going on between Steve and the audience. But the Neurotic Outsiders, that's a good fucking rock band, man. Wow. That was a good fucking band. <laughs> I mean, Doug play, he plays guitar. He plays good guitar. You know, mm-hmm. Matt yeah, was a nice guy. I thought he was a great guy. Nice guy. That's, that's great, and that's uh, that's awesome that you got to play with them because they're yeah. I mean, there was a rare. That- Go ahead, Brad. I'm sorry. No, they're just a band in the GNR tree that unanimously. Yeah. I think all fans they love. Could have, they, could have, they could have made it. There was a lot of mismanagement. They could have made it. Mm. Um, I read in Steve Jones' book, he really loved that band. He liked he that wrote band. He most of the songs, though, didn't he, Steve Jones? Yeah, he wrote most of the songs. He wrote most of them. It's just like when Michael DeBars, um, he's on Die Laughing Records and uh, uh, cross-promoted with Golden Robot, right? Michael DeBars was in a band called Checkered Past, that was a good fucking band. I seen them at the Berkeley Square. That place holds 200 people, man. So uh, the only thing about poor Michael, he's telling me some war stories that it was hard to control that band because they're always doing substance abuse. <laughs> One guy would be like slow. One guy would be fast. So you know what the hell they were doing back there. But Michael is a real nice, I've known Michael for quite a long time now. You know, we did, an, we did an episode with him. We did yeah. an episode with him on this. Remember? With yeah, Brandon. just a few episodes ago. Yeah, just a couple of weeks. Oh ago. yeah, yeah. Did you talk a lot? <laughs> no, <laughs> never, never. I, I love Michael. I think we that went for sixty minutes. Hang on, we went for 60, 65 minutes, and I think Brandon and I got in two or three words. I think. <laughs> you know, one thing about about Michael, he's such a gentleman, such a sweetheart. I love him. You know, we, we talk. We get together. We're talking like crazy. Jillian, Jillian Elizabeth, she's an A and R at Die Laughing Records. She, 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 Michael loves her. If Jillian's not around, he gets upset. You know what I mean? So I hats off to Jillian. But uh, I'm going to talk just a little bit about Michael. This is that hair. Um, there's a project coming out. Who do you want me to be? It's a documentary film, July 10th, 2020, sure. and that comes out with a, a a single called Get It On. Right at the same time. And then Mark is going to put out a seven-inch EP. Um, I think it's a, it's a live EP, actually. Yeah. And my, we're all looking forward to that. The Golden Robot, Die Laughing Records, we're all looking forward to this. You know what I mean? I'm looking um, forward to it as well. I'm trying to show you my cat who's attacking me. I, 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 watched his, I, I watched his biography, actually, and it was oh, really yeah, cool. Yeah. He's, he's very cool. He's, 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 you know what the thing about Michael? There's, there's, well, he was on Seinfeld. He was an episode of Seinfeld. Oh, yeah. The thing the about Michael going. is Michael is like this living um, uh, is like this living uh, enigma. He's just been there. He's done it all, and he and he and he's definitely got his way about him. But he's a he's a really nice guy. He's I would love Dave when when we can travel back to America. Is we go out 
one night for dinner with him and we have a couple of drinks and we just sure. listen to his stories. That would just be fabulous. You know, you know, that when I had, I produced a show here about four or five months ago in, in San Francisco and he had played San Francisco in over 30 years. Yeah. Right. And we had dinner together. Nicest guy. We all had dinner, all the bands, all my staff, we all had dinner and he had the coolest stories, especially with Clint Eastwood. He was in that movie, uh, Pink Cadillac, right? He was a, he was kind of like a, you know, a, a mean guy, but he, he, uh, very, very grateful. And he rocked, rocked hard. There wasn't that many people, but he delivered, man. You know, what was his tie to Guns N' Roses? What did he say? What was he telling us, Brandon? <laughs> his tie was so uh, loose. He, uh, Slash's dad, uh, took him to see his old band, uh, The Mistakes, I believe it was. That's and right. so he yeah. saw you know, Little Saul Hudson, or Little Saul, Little Saul Hudson saw him perform uh, back in the day. So uh, it was. Definitely a stretch of our six degrees of, of Kevin. Yeah, what what band was that? Degrees. What band was that? Was it Silverhead or Detective or? It wasn't the uh, it wasn't the Mistakes. I thought it might have been. No the, Mistakes came up. Oh, that's been new. That's new. Um, yeah, it's brand new. Yeah, no, you're right. You're right. I, I, I'm this must have been. It must have been Detective or Silverhead. Detective. That's it. Detective. Yeah. Detective. So yeah. I love that band, man. I was I, thinking like the one name. Yeah. I got this. This one is rare. My, it's still sealed. Rare. Live at the Atlantic Studios. That's 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 really fucking rare. Nice. They only made fifty of these for the for the for the uh, for Atlantic Records and Swan Song. But you see, it's on Swan Song, so it's on Led Zeppelin's label, which is that's the yep. coolest part about it. Sure. And it's still sealed. Yeah. <laughs> well, let me ask you, Dave. Then, if you have, uh, you know, you have uh, Steve Jones from the Sex Pistols. You have Michael DeBard. What is it about, like, when you, a punk heart that makes you a good radio DJ? Is there anything? That, did you have punk heart? Yeah. Heart. What, like, uh, what, like, what makes a good heart? Like a good punk heart? Like, because now they're they're you know they're uh, Michael's on Little Steven's uh, channel and and right. Steve Jones has had a show for a long time. Is there something oh, yeah. about being a punk rocker yeah, yeah. that makes you a good radio host? I like I like the Steve Jones ones. I'm really into. I love his his radio show because he has everybody from Pete D from the Addicts all the way to Ronnie Wood, and he's had Ronnie Wood on it on his show. It's just amazing. Matter of fact, when I did the Nam show ten years ago, you know what the Nam is right. Yes. Uh, yeah. uh, I played there to celebrate Ron Wood. He got an award. I I was in a super group. I was singing with Stu Stu Ham. You know who he is, from Joe Satriani. The drummer from the Police, Michael Michael, uh, the editor in chief of Guitar Player Magazine, and the guitar player from the Cure. I forget his name, but we did stay with me, and what blew me away when I was singing that on the side was Ron Wood, and he was clapping. That I have pictures with him too. That blew me away. So I like that. I'm excited about my life, meeting Mark, working on projects, uh. I try to get along with everybody. You know what I mean? So when's your uh, biography coming out? When's your documentary coming out? Well, you know, this is funny. They're doing a Wikipedia on me. That's crazy. And Wikipedia take a couple of months. I get, I don't know. So that's coming out because they, Wikipedia, the people, whoever, they contacted Jillian. I'm all over Wikipedia. So I'm, I'm in the Vibrators Wikipedia, the Dead Kennedys. Uh, who else? Uh, all kinds of different types of Wikipedias I'm in. And I don't, you know, Wikipedia is weird, you know. Mark should have a Wikipedia, you know. 
No, um, thanks. You guys I are want, but, but, I don't want a Wikipedia. I like under the radar. <laughs> I want under the radar Wikipedia. <laughs> but, but the thing about Wikipedia, it, you can't create one. You can, yeah. but it's up to a certain society to say, okay. Hey, if you're Brandon, I see one. that poster. Brandon, I see that poster Woodstock. Is that Woodstock poster? Oh, yeah. That was my dad's. He wasn't there, but uh, that was my is dad's. It's an original. I don't think it is was. Is that an original one? I, it's, it, it looks like the original poster, but I don't think it's an original poster. The Jeff Beck group was supposed to be at that show, but they broke up. Man, and I have I too like many uh, Dave Matthews posters from courtesy of my girlfriend. No, you don't. Do you? Yeah, I'm not, I, mean, I know you don't. <laughs> they're up there. I, I, I'm just not a. It's it's hurts. I have more Guns N' Roses posters to put on the wall on the way to even it out. I, I got I got one chest pressing Guns N' Roses um, appetite with all the paperwork and inserts. Really? And trust me. Yeah, and I, I got out of swap beat in 1990. And you've just put it uh, up now, an hour later. That should have been the first thing you told us. Oh, <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> Like Mark yeah. knows I collect vinyl, test pressings, all that stuff, man. You know, hey, he's just chilling on the snack table right here. Look at that guy. This What's he Mr. Black. Mr. Black. Mr. Black. That's so okay. funny. Uh, <laughs> let me like tell you a story, cat. Brandon. <laughs> let, me, let me tell you a quick story, right? right? <laughs> it's just I'll funny think... he's sitting next to me on the snack table. I like, that. <laughs> I like the fact you've got a snack table. Who has a snack table? <laughs> I. <laughs> I'm building a studio here and my table from Ikea is not big enough. So I have to, you know, set things up awkwardly. Yeah. My tea. No, when I sit and watch TV so I can eat my French, uh, French bread pizza, yeah, my Stouffer's French bread. You are Don't just judge me. Uh, you're judge a, me. I, I thought rock. A snack table is punk rock. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm up for a snack table. I'm up for a snack table. I like, I like, I the like I'm going to use that. I'm going to have to use a snack table. <laughs> okay. I like it. I mean, I might do a title for a record. Who knows? Snack table. Hmm. You know, Why is it taking so, so long, though, for you, Dave, to get a Wikipedia page with everything that you've done? Well, you know, the, the funniest thing, you know, I try to do it myself because they say you can do it yourself, but it's up to a committee. And they, it's weird, man. I mean, I've talked to a lot that? of guys. No, it's you free. Get, you just get, you know, acknowledged, you know? I, I just I just got you know, some guy just reached out to me and Julian and goes I'm gonna do a wiki on you because you have all these things all over the place, so it's gonna take uh, it's gonna take like two three months you know because you got to put all your bullshit together and you can add as you go along so. You know. Well, that that's very cool. Are you ever gonna make a you know your Wikipedia, <laughs> i.e., a book? Is that something you've ever wanted? Because not even just one of your stories. It sounds like your collection that you can have a lot of photos or you know you can have a. You know, when you do book tours, you bring things along with you. It sounds well, like you I have got, so I got much. a lot of pictures. I got pictures with some pictures with Izzy when he opened up for Keith Richards and expensive winos. I will tell you um, that fans, I, I will, I'm going to request this on behalf of my listeners. If you can scan those and share them with you, uh, with us, unless you want to charge people for them. No, 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 no. I'll, I'll share with the world. They need to be okay. shared. I just got this book of Johnny Thunders, and you know who he is, right, Brandon? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they covered him on the spaghetti incident, too. I'm in that book, right on the couch. Oh, see him? Oh, yeah. I even, I, even did, I even did a few shows with him, playing guitar and stuff. Wow. I'm going to be putting a single out on Golden Robot and Die Laughing Records, too, down the road. So Then, with everything that you've done and are, are still continuing to do, 
what's going to be the headline, the first couple of lines of your Wikipedia page? How do you like to identify yourself, as they say? You know, like, what do you consider yourself? I would say, I would say something headline like, if it falls apart, laugh it up. <laughs> well, that's a good <laughs> that's what it say in your Wikipedia page I mean like I mean I can say that on your uh, tombstone drop a bit, I know what's going to be on my tombstone what's, what's that? that I told you I wasn't feeling well <laughs> <laughs> nice you know this has been a really good this has been a good interview I really enjoyed myself I was all like Thank nervous you. and all weird uh-huh. and Cause I don't like doing interviews often, you know, doing that vice interview. I did vice magazine here recently and mm. it was, it's kind of a, they use all these big term, big words, you know, and I'm just like, Oh, what are you talking about? You know, but with you guys are like, it's great hanging out with the guys like you, you know? Well, thank you. I mean, thank you, you know, yeah. while I did graduate college, I mean, my, my vocabulary is still somewhat limited, but it's, it's my presentation with, it's the only way I know how to be with an interview. Yeah, I may have you know, certain questions written down or in my head, but for the most part, it's a conversation. And you have to be able to go along with that conversation. Or, of sure. course, if you're on the radio, you have to be aware of time and all these different you know, variables that go along with it. But for the most part, I tell people, just be yourself. And it's my job to make you look like your best self. And it's been great that Mark's been uh, joining in these last few episodes as the Jerry Stiller of the AFD show. Because he's the same way. He's himself. Yeah. I, didn't, I don't have to give him any coaching. He asks great questions. We're always usually on the same wavelength or he asks me a, ask a question before I even get to it. So it's, it's just, right. it's, he, he knows where the conversation is, is going. So I, it, it means a lot because I can only imagine the amount of people, and you mentioned Vice, that want to talk to you. And just because you're yeah. a big name doesn't mean you're a good interviewer. No, I'm not, yeah, I mean, Vice is a, that's a big magazine. I, I, I got interview from a guitar player magazine because of my guitars. I, I just don't have regular Les Pauls. I got, I collect stuff. That, it's like art. Like Mark collects cars and whatever else he collects. You must collect okay. something, Wives. Brandon. I only had one of those. I've only had one of those. I'm, I'm, I'm set now. I'm set now. I'm done. Okay. That's, it. That's it. You know well, what I like you know, about this the most? Dave, you know what I like about this the most with Brandon is he dresses up for the occasion. That's the best part. Oh, there you go. A singlet. I love it. It it looks like a singlet from this angle, but it's a a tank top, I assure you. It's the same thing. So, hey, hey, Brandon, Brandon, why did Axl Rose go sing with ACDC? Why did he? Well, I guess you have to, because Brian was having health issues. And right. if, he, if he continued the tour, he could have lost his hearing. And that was according to doctors and what Brian said. Okay. Yeah. It seems like the perspective was that it wasn't handled right or the communication wasn't right because ACDC, Angus, they wanted to finish the tour that they were still on. Right. And I guess they had some auditions. It wasn't just Axel. And Axel may have heard about it. And he put his name out there and he had, aud- he had to go for an audition. Did and I really? guess it just, it just worked out. And Axel is, you know, uh, you know, as I, I fawn over fans that I love or bands that I love, it's one right, thing right. coming from a, a radio guy or a normal person, but Axel is still a fan of the bands that he loves. You know, going okay. back to the early days of GNR, they would cover a whole lot of Rosie. So he 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 was living out a dream. And I, 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 I think that's cool. I think it's cool. Yeah. I've said this before because I, 
I, in my head, I thought about this with certain super groups, like how it was audio slave was going to sound, how was Velvet Revolver going to sound. When I first ACDC and Axel, how is that going to work? And I started watching videos because they were, their first shows were overseas and they sounded really good. I happened, I, I was lucky to get tickets through my job when they played over at Madison Square Garden. And I've said oh, that wow. might be one of the best shows I've, I've ever seen. Like wow. he was on, his yeah. vocally, he was rasped for an hour and a half. Angus, I don't care. He, he's going to be like Mick. It doesn't matter how old he gets. He's just going to rock his heart, his heart out. And it was just so fun. And I'm watching fans around me. We're all looking at each other in shock and happy shock. Like, wow, this was wow. so much better than we thought. So, you know, um, Brian is apparently back in the band, but uh, obviously everything. You know, you know, you know, Brian, Brian, Brian used to be in a band called Gordy. Yeah. I have that. It's an original album. I have that album. And, and you know, he was a roadie for ACDC for a while. I mean, before he joined ACDC, he was a lumper. And then when uh, Scott died, <laughs> they, were tr- they were trying out singers and he wanted to do it and he got the gig. You and their comeback. Well, you guys heard huh? of Jimmy Barnes? You guys heard of Jimmy Barnes, the famous Australian singer who was in Cold Chisel, etc. Jimmy Barnes? No. Fuck, you see, no. that's, un- that's unbelievable. If you said, if you asked any Australian who's Jimmy Barnes, who's Cold Chisel, they'd go, okay. And it's amazing that they didn't hit it outside of Australia. I mean, they were a band from the, from the 80s. Um, right. You should look up Cold Chisel, right? Chisel. Oh, C-H-I-S-E. Cold Chisel? Cold Chisel. Jimmy Barnes. Yeah, I know. Really I, I've heard that name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll look it up. He tried out that. He, he, he tried to break into America with an album called Working Class Man. And, and it was an, an awesome album, but it, it, it breaks your heart when you have such a big artist here in Australia and you guys don't know who he is, but definitely look up. Um, yeah, I, I definitely will, you know, that kind of thing. Um, Great band. Yeah, I just, I just see the Black and the black and Back album, whatever it's called. Back and Black. Mm-hmm. I remember Ingve Momstein opened up for him. I can't stand that guy. <laughs> and uh, when he came on, he was doing his little acrobatic stuff and all the fancy guitar, which is fine. But man, it was apples and oranges. When ACDC came on with, with the new singer, holy shit, the thing blew up. It's just nonstop. And I seen ACDC branded and Mark at the old Waldorf. Uh, and that held about 250 people. That's where I seen Detective, Cheap Trick, right there watching them. Wow. Amazing band. You know? well, I heard. Again, with I Guns N' Roses, I've seen them in small clubs. I like can, you say that, can you say the best show you've Because you've seen. You've seen some of the legendary shows. Is there one that sticks out in your mind, maybe out of all, everything that you've seen? That that's I, just like, I, wow. I've seen like uh, I've seen Cheap Trick at a club that holds 250. ACDC. It's called the Old Waldorf. Look it up. And then there's another club, another club called the Mabuhe Gardens, a punk club, right? I've seen Devo's first on their first tour there. Neil Young showed up because he was curious. I've seen the Jam. You know the Jam, right? Jam, I was walking down the street. I lived in, on Broadway in the city. I seen all these Vespas and motor scooters and all these mods. And I asked the owner, who's playing tonight? The Jam. I paid five bucks, went in there. I'm lucky I seen these bands, man. One of my, one of my best shows I seen was a band called Angel City from Australia. Fuck the Angel. Amazing. Band. The Angel. Yeah. yeah. Fuck okay. Yeah, amazing. Yeah. You know? Doc nice. So I'm really, I'm really happy to see these bands, you know? Really. I can go on and on about who I've seen and stuff. You know? Any bands uh, right now on Die Laughing that you want to highlight and make sure that we check out? Yeah. Can I, can I say a few things? Uh, 
First of all, I want to just say, Wank is a good one. I like Wank. They used to be Wank. on Madonna's label. She didn't treat them right, but they're good. Fang is always like my precious baby. You know, Fang. Um, the Vibrators, I like the Killer Smiles. That's East Bay Rays band from the Dead Kennedys band. He's been on That's the show. That's a good song, man. There's some good stuff. Yeah, yeah good stuff. Michael DeBars and the Mistakes. Uh, an old band. I don't know if you know, Brandon. Social Unrest. Okay. They came out with, they came out like, uh, uh, with bands like uh, Crow Mags and Gorilla Biscuits and all that stuff. Social Got Unrest. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to mention my band. <laughs> Screaming Bloody Marys. Yeah, yeah, you know. Um, there's a lot of good bands. Hot Laundry. We just signed a, a band called Honey Chain, which is members of the Pandoras. Uh, Kim Shattuck's band, old band. And uh, I do like Mark's son's band, The Kids. I like that band. It has a power pop flavor to it. But they have a rapid fire. The singer's almost like he's rapping, but he's not. Like he's on mm. top of that shit, man. It's like, every time I listen to it, I go, that fucking little kid can sing, man. Right? And I got an incredible staff. I got an incredible staff. Jillian Elizabeth, my A and R. Rob Trisler, my CEO. I got Rodney uh, uh, Prosser out of France. He does a lot of work over there for us. And Larry down south, Prosser. But I want to say too to Mark, uh, you know, I'm glad we hooked up. You know, really do. I think so we're, we're going to go far in business, not sexually. <laughs> nah, I'll, I'll stay with the glory hose man. <laughs> it's like every time that the, the word hooked up has been used that has gone through my head mark but i, I wanted know, to be that's why i wanted to be absolutely straight down the line hey listen <laughs> brandon brandon before we go i've got to tell you this story because no one else sure. is going to tell you this story all right and we'll finish okay. it with a guns and roses story and i have to Good. say it's been a true honor and it's been a privilege to work with dave and um for our, our labels to be associated and working together. It's been fantastic. And I can tell you, the next 12 months are going to be massive. Watch this space. So let, let me tell you this. So I knew and know an ex-Guns N' Roses manager really well, right? Okay. And I'm not going to say what era. I'm not going to say anything. You're going to work it out. And I'm trying to get him on the show. And I think legally he'll never be able to tell this story because they sign, you know, non-disclosure agreements and et cetera, et cetera. However, I can tell the story. It's nothing to do with me, <laughs> right? Right. right. <laughs> so, so there's no problem. So the long story short of it was, remember there was a period that everyone is now swept under the carpet that nobody was talking, slash stuff, never talking that. And they made the comment, or Axel made the comment, something along the lines of, hell will freeze over before we all get back together on the same what, stage. What, the night in this lifetime comment? Yeah, 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 exactly. I actually held freezes over was the Eagles. <laughs> yeah. Right, right. right. Not so in this, not this lifetime. Not in this lifetime will I ever share a stage with those guys again. Anyway. Right. So this particular manager took on the management at a time when those guys weren't there and they were out doing, Axel was doing his own thing and um, around the sort of Chinese democracy and that went for 10 yeah. years. So it can be anywhere in that time. So the, they, the management, they get signed on the manager group and they get assigned a manager and the manager He's pulled into the office and, he, and apparently, apparently, this is all he say. Apparently, Axel says to him, I don't care what happens. I don't care where it happens, but don't ever mention the word slash or duff to me ever again. <laughs> right? No, just don't mention it. Don't want to know about it. Not interested. I've got my own thing now, etc. So about 18 months went past and they were doing whatever they're doing. Now, you've got to remember, apparently, Axel went through a stage where the money dried up. He had his big house and the money dried up and there wasn't much money around, et cetera, et cetera. And he was doing it tough. And a couple of promoters came out and said, 
we will give you just under one billion dollars US. It's about eight hundred thousand. Uh, so eight hundred million US, just under a billion. If you do ten dates, something like that, ten arena dates, a video, a, a, a DVD, etc., etc. Very easy deal. This is what we will pay you. Now remember, the guy needed the money. Okay. Sure. So the manager at the time, which I just love the whole story, the manager at the time says, fuck, what do I do here? You know, I've been told, never mention. And of course the deal was Duff and Slash and everyone's got to get back in the band, right? So oh. he said, fuck, I've got a dilemma here. I've been told not to mention it. What should I do? So he says, you know what, fuck it. I'm the manager. I've got to do the right thing. So he calls him up and he says to him, this is the deal. Yes, it's with the, with the old members. You've got to get back out there. This is how much money you're going to make. Thinking, fuck, how can you knock this kind of money back? Especially when you... At least it's okay to like bring that offer, you know, Absolutely. something like just... Absolutely. Bring the offer. He's doing his job. It sounds like. Sounds like. Well, he did. So apparently Axel says to him, okay, I'll get back to you tomorrow. So this night, this manager is sitting there thinking, fuck, this is going to change my life. Because even at 10%, even if he drops his rate to 5%, he's set. That's Sorry. millions and millions and millions of dollars for the manager. He's set. So apparently he's sitting there all night, can't sleep, thinking, fuck, if this happens, my life changes tomorrow morning. Apparently his girlfriend at the time said, what's wrong with you? He said, if this happens, sweetheart, we are set for the rest of our lives. Mm -hmm. So about 8 o'clock the next morning, he's still sitting there. And bing, his, his, his phone goes and, he's, and it comes up. It's from Axel. And he looks at the phone and he goes. It's a text? Yeah. He looks at the phone and he goes, fuck, this is what I've been waiting for. Please, this is going to change my life. Apparently, he pressed on the thing. And the next message said, if you ever mention Slash or Duff to me ever again, you're fired. Don't ever mention it to me again. And kibosh the whole deal and just kept, kept going and doing what he was doing. And the guy looks and goes, ah, oh, and he can see the millions of dollars just floating down the river. I thought you were going to say he fired him right then and there via text, like you're he, fired. He didn't fire It just him. makes you think, and I, I posted this question today, actually, as we were recording this. It's a, the first picture uh, you saw of Axel and Slash together. It looks like they're, they're in the, the audience, like an empty arena, kind of just maybe mm. watching the stage and they're laughing together. It just makes you think, what the fuck happened? What yeah. happened that was so bad? And I don't believe in the whole, oh, it's just because for the money. That story right there that shows, you know, it's not, not for the money. money. Yeah, I agree. It's not well, about the money. And they wouldn't be real. smiling like that. You know they what? just wouldn't be. I, look, what happened? I reckon the story is real, but who knows if it's real. But at the end of the day, yeah. it might be a portion of it is real. But I agree with you. I think at the end of the day, the one thing I know, and Dave knows definitely, I know it with my son because I'm not an artist, but artists think in different ways. Artists have this creative part of their brain. And so most of the artists we deal with, um, and I've talked about this on the show before, they're incredibly creative and I wish I could do what they, they could do, but I can't. But then on the other side, there's this incredible insecurity. And I think if that insecurity creeps in and you start to go down that insecure road, anything can happen and you can think anything. And that kind of resentment and hurt and insecurity can last for 10 years. It can build up, especially if there's nothing to correct it. or And you know, you know what I think it, fixes it? You know why I think the band's good now and they're back together? 
because they're older and mature and you sure. grow yep. up and you grow up basically. Well, yeah, no, oh, there was one short, it was, it was mentioned on MTV. It was in some books, whatever that before even Axel would go on stage, there was a big show, huge show. Uh, they were ready to go on. All the band was going on, but Axel wouldn't go. And they go, why? He goes, before you go on stage, I want you to sign an agreement. I own the fucking name. Yeah, that's true. I own everything. And they signed it. They just wanted to get yeah. it. You're all, you're all fucked up anyway, but they signed yeah. it. Yeah. So That's how we get the, they got the name. That's how we got the name. Right. Apparently, I thought that's just a, um, apparently. Like a hearsay rumor. Uh, we don't know that if that actually went down. I, mean, I, I, I think no, that's no, one no, of those no. things that's out there that we don't know yeah. for a fact. And maybe that's not what happened. And yeah. that narrative has been out there. And actually, got pissed about it. Well, I, I'll so, tell you something, Brandon. I'll tell you something. When Guns N' Roses toured Australia, I don't know, 2016, that, that tour, right? Whatever that was. I still got you're a showing me, there. what is that, your press pass or VIP pass or something? Oh, it was the working pass, right? Oh, working pass. Nice. Yeah. So that tour. And, and Rose Tattoo um, was supporting. Mate, it was in Brisbane in Australia. It was... One in the morning, something really late. I was fucking exhausted. We've been going since nine o'clock. Because don't forget, they come on, they do their sound checks in the morning, they do whatever they need to do. These are huge, huge arenas. It was one in the morning after their show, and there was a young boy in a wheelchair. And I've still got a, I've got a photo of it. I'll send it to you. Young boy in a wheelchair through management had decided, uh, had worked out that they, he wanted to meet Slash. It was his hero. And mate, I can tell you. Slash came out at one in the morning, you know, they, uh, the, 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 the young boy came in and I think his mother was with him or something like that. I was there. And Slash, after 14 hour days of playing the last two and a half hours live, went backstage, had a share and came out. Mate, he treated that kid so beautifully, like he was wow. the only person in the world. And I know that Slash was, must have been exhausted. And he treated yeah. so beautifully that you just, you know, you have to, it has to come down to this. And I know that Duff is like that. I know Frank is like that. Um, I know Dizzy is like that. Um, I know Richard Fortas is like that. And the reason these guys are still going and the reason they're the biggest band in the world still and can pull those many people is because inherently they're good people and they're nice guys and they're all growing up there and they're mature. And I think they appreciate what they have now more yeah. than anything and yeah. they give back. And I reckon that's why it works still. So is that the, the secret to get Slash on my show, to let him know that I'm handicapped? Is that what I need to do? There you go. Brandon, do it. Do it. I have one of my leg braces right potentially, here. Potentially. <laughs> potentially. <laughs> I'm surprised you don't have a Guns N' Roses sticker on it. I know. I, it's funny. I did have a um, – because I don't even know if I spoke to you about this, Mark, and obviously, Dave, that's surprising. I mean, I have my, my legs as I show my, my leg brace uh, t- uh, tattoo, my leg brace in the Zoom camera. I have a neurological condition. So there's something okay. missing in the nerves that the message doesn't fully get there from the brain, which makes okay. the muscles weaker. Demyelinating peripheral neuropathy. It rolls off the tongue. Uh, but I don't know if you can see my, my, my uh, handicap tattoo. Yeah. He has a, uh, he's throwing yeah. up metal horns yeah. and, a, and a mohawk. But it's funny. I used to have GNR stickers and all that. I, I took the stickers from Slash's Guitar Hero. And I put them all up, up my leg brace, <laughs> but then my leg brace broke. So I did do that, Mark. I did do that, but that was an Good. old brace. Good. Anyway. Hey, real fast, uh, I, I recommend you guys, both you guys, there's a video out there. It's a DVD. Ronnie Wood is called Far East Man. Slash toured with Ronnie Wood throughout Ireland and Scotland. Check it out because they do a lot of 
GNR stuff, and it's really good. It's an intimate little club, and Slash is at his best, I think. In that, I'll look video. that up. What's the name yeah, of it, it again? Far it's called Far Far East Man, Ronnie Wood. Okay, I'll I'll check that out. Is it on? You can get, I mean, you can get it on eBay for four bucks, five bucks. Oh, okay. I was hoping it would be on like Netflix or Hulu or something. <laughs> you're so lazy. So you're lazy. You're inherently yes. lazy. It's not yeah. here. It's not available. I admit it. It is what it is. <laughs> I'm the same way. Brandon, I'll sit on my fat ass sometimes and I'll go, I, I look at my guitars. I'm supposed to play. I'm going, eh, I'm going to watch a, a, a shocker movie or something. Yeah, there you go. Horrible. I'm lazy, but then somehow I've done 200 uh, of these. I, I don't know and how you know what? Mate, not many things last 200 episodes, let me tell you. Uh, thanks a lot, man. I really appreciate it. <laughs> I had really enjoyed myself. I really awesome. did. Well, th- we'll do this again, Dave. You are great. I yeah. really appreciate meeting you and our first conversation being, well, we had uh, one hiccup, so this was take two, but it's our second conversation <laughs> uh, being <Jared>. recorded. <laughs> hey, can you, can you send a, your little banner or whatever to Mark to send to me when you're ready to do I, I like to promote it on my site, if you like. Yeah, we'll, we'll do all that, that fun stuff. Yeah. Well, once this goes up, we'll, you know, put it yeah. on. What's the, that reminds me. So let me guess, what, what's all the social media, the contacts for uh, Die Laughing so people can check out your artists? I could go to uh, www, you know, the dot com, uh, sure. Die Laughing Records, and you can go to uh, goldenrobot.com. Because, um, because if they can't get into our site, which they can, they can go to Golden Robot. And you can go to Facebook, Guy Laughing Records Facebook, you know. Yeah. Um, okay. And that's, it's, I'm all, we're always promoting. You'll find something all the time on it. Instagram, and Facebook, I'm, websites. All that. All that planes stuff going in the air with Guy Laughing yeah, Records behind it. It's all, all <laughs> yeah. Well, all kinds of stuff. I'm sure no, I good. saw some spray paint on the wall in 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 Washington. Hey, matter of fact, there's, there's a guy. There's, there's, this, there's this guy from Guatemala. This kid, and you know, once while he'll hit me up for some free merch. I'll give him some free swag, and uh, I sent him a big bulk of free swag. Cost me a lot of money. I don't give a shit. So he sent me a picture in Guatemala, spray painted the whole wall. Die laughing records. Now, if you spray something like that tag, you'll get hung over there. They'll kill yeah. you. They'll shoot you. And he has it on the wall. Wow. It's like, what? <laughs> I said, don't die do laughing man. literally, I guess. I mean, oh, I yeah. Hopefully, <laughs> hopefully not. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, let's do this again. Let's do this again down the, the road. Pleasure. Maybe next year sometime, you know. The pleasure. You know, you know, no, really. absolutely. We'll, we'll Thanks do this for having soon. us, Brandon. You Thank you, it, Brandon. Thank you, Mark. Thank you for setting this up. I appreciate pleasure. that. Pleasure. A lot. So that does it for episode 200 of Appetite for distortion words can't express how grateful and appreciative how how much all of you listening to this podcast mean i wouldn't be doing this this was something that i never expected it was recently the the fourth year anniversary of when scotto and i started this podcast which was right before not this lifetime kicked off and (laughs) In retrospect, I think Ian thought it was just going to be a fun project to, to, to have a podcast out there to talk about the reunion and, and leading up to the show. And, you know, both of us kind of struggled after the those first reunion shows. It's like, yeah, it's exciting. They're back. But where do we go from here? And I just never expected to get the the, the people on the podcast that I've I've, I've had. You know, from recently, you know, whether it's uh, Matt Sorum and Frank Farrar or, you know, people like 
Pauly Shore or Tom Green. It's like it's been everywhere. As a radio professional who's been doing this, this is my career. You know, this podcast is in a way my my third job. I have other jobs and I put so much into this. My heart belongs to this job because of all of you and what this has become. And I wouldn't get to interview people like uh, uh, you know, Dave Mustaine or Henry Rollins. I wouldn't get to get to interview these people if I didn't have an, an audience, people who would listen. Everybody and their mother has a podcast. And I, I thought to myself, coming from FM radio, it's like, okay, these stations have been around for decades. They play the rock and roll we all love. That was my goal, to be a part of a, of a station. That's how you exist. It's so hard to branch out and just be a personality. There, it, it really is. I mean, everybody does it now, especially during quarantine. You know, everyone's doing a podcast. Everyone's doing Zoom. You know, it's me, 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 me. I try to do this about GNR and relating it to me or you, the audience, and that's how we get through it. That's how these 200 episodes, it's not enough. We're going to keep going. There is no end in sight. You help me continue to be creative with the content, uh, creative with the guests, and I keep meeting people along the way like Mark Alexander Erber, you know, the people from Golden Robots uh, who add to this show. People like Matt Wake from AL.com. People who add to the show, meeting you from other countries. Remco from the Netherlands. My friend Tomislav from Croatia. Sir Kev from Ireland. So many of you from Australia. You know, Canada. All these different places. People who don't speak English as their first language who listen to this podcast and follow my pages on social media. It's unreal. That's why, and when I tell you as a radio professional, one of my dreams was to be on Q104.3 here in New York City. Classic rock station, number one market in the United States. It is just legendary. It's what brought me up. Other than, I mean, it doesn't exist anymore, sadly, but K-Rock in New York, uh, where Howard Stern used to be. And you know, that's what really got me into hard, you know, the, the new rock. But what, what solidified my love for classic rock and, GNR would be played on both, which was always great. They were classic and still, still hip. Uh, it was Q104.3. And yes, my, my current job kind of allowed me to uh, board up there and continue to be a producer there. But my on-air experience is something that I, I no one can take that away from me. What means so much to me that I was on the air on Q104.3, New York City, talking about this podcast, talking about this show. And now this show is on Q1043's website. So you've allowed me to achieve my radio dream. Really? That's insane. How? How is that possible? How has the Guns N' Roses podcast allowed me to achieve, you know, what are my radio dreams? And it's funny, my other quote-unquote radio dreams, and this is before the podcast, one was to Ask Lady Gaga to marry me on the air. I went through a phase. I mean, I still like her, but I don't think my girlfriend would be happy. Uh, and to interview Axel Rose. This was before the podcast. I know many of you are so supportive when I get uh, a former member or a current member, Gilby Clark, Richard Fortas. So you're so close to the big three. You're, you know, you're going to get Axel. You're going to get Slash. It would be it would be a dream come true. It really would be. I don't, no, I don't expect it, 
then again, I've, I haven't expected any of this. So as long as we keep doing it, as long as you keep listening, as long as you keep spreading the word, telling people about this Six Degrees of GNR Bacon podcast, you know, this Guns N' Roses Bar Mitzvah party of a broadcast, tell friends we're going to keep doing it. We're going to keep getting great guests and having uh, cool conversations, you know, having plenty of laughs and important conversations. So actually, I want to end here letting you know about the next episode. And it's going to be a challenge. It may be, maybe my most challenging episode to date. And we're going to have back our friend Roberta Freeman, a songstress, of course, from Use Your Illusion. She's uh, done stuff with Pink Floyd as well, but she's so talented. And she's been great. One of my favorite people on the podcast. I uh, came on by herself. It was just me and her. Uh, then she came on again as, uh, I guess, my co-host, but it was kind of like a co-interview with her and Teddy Zigzag. That was one of the coolest things I think I got to do on the show as far as being creative, getting two former Guns N' Roses members to kind of interview each other. I, that was fun. So she's going to come on next show. And I know this podcast can be an escape for a lot of you from the news and all the bullshit that's been going on in the world. But sometimes those worlds intersect. So it's Axel has been outspoken uh, about politics. We're not going to go that route necessarily. We're going to go more about uh, what probably many of you may be feeling because I know my, my, my audience, uh, it, it, it's the, quite a, an array of ethnicities. So with all the protests literally going around the world, I am blown away. I can't believe that the, the, the Black Lives Matters protests, uh, A, all 50 states in America, but all over the world, the solidarity all over the world. So we're going to talk to Roberta Freeman about that. She's been pretty vocal on Facebook and, uh, we still keep in touch. You know, she's, uh, we're, we're friendly. It's, it's, it's very cool. One of the, the perks of doing this podcast, getting to be friendly with people that I grew up, grew up listening to. It's crazy to me. So she's going to come on, uh, cause Duff has spoken out about it. Uh, so is Duff. Guns N' Roses put up the, what was the, the Blackout Tuesday. Uh, this podcast uh, took part in that as well. I did not post on, on June 2nd. And we're going to talk about it because it's like, what are we doing? You know, we could keep having this conversation every time something horrific happens. But how do we stop it? And we're going to relate to Guns N' Roses, of course. So, which means we're going to talk about one in a million. It's got to be done. Uh, I will say there is a uh, very informative video by GNR Central about one in a million that can give you some more perspective uh, on it, and it's going to be hard. Uh, I'm telling you, and I I already spoke to Roberta on the phone for like an hour talking about that episode, and I, as friendly as she is, I found myself getting uncomfortable, and I think that's the point. And I think we are the two... You know, how well we get along and we have similar backgrounds and yet very not similar. You know, she is half black, half Jewish from New York. I'm all Jewish from New York. <laughs> uh, so we're going there's to, a, there's a nice, I think, a nice blend to have a, a good conversation and hopefully a productive one as well. So I uh, hope you stay tuned for that. Oh, and another guest I'll tell you, which just goes to show you we could talk about, yeah, rock and roll, punk rock. We'll talk about Black Lives Matter. But why not talk about Charles Manson 
and the movies. <laughs> so uh, Charles Manson is not alive to interview, which would have been interesting. Uh, but Damon Herman, who played Charles Manson in both uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, uh, Tarantino's latest flick, which I enjoyed quite so much, and Mindhunters on Netflix, which is awesome. I'm very upset that's not continuing right now. They better continue it at some point. So uh, I'm going to ask him about his research, what he found out about Charles Manson, the musician. So when will you hear these episodes? In the words of Axel Rose concerning Chinese democracy, I don't know as soon as the word, but you'll see it. Thanks to the lame-ass security, I'm going home.